Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Don't just give VAs, when they first start, the tasks that you think they should be able to do for you. Write down a list of tasks you, as a business owner, hate doing the most. Start with that list and give those tasks to your VA because when you see the success of them doing those tasks you hate doing, you'll fall in love with your VA even more and they'll feel it. They will feel you fall in love with them. And that will inspire them to take more tasks off you. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with playwright and screenwriter Sheldon Shaw and with Anna Adams of Wicked Marvelous, then do check them out but only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Brian Jones. He's the founder and CEO of VA Platinum, a team of virtual staff experts. Brian's expertise is in helping business owners spend less time in their business and more time on their business using the one thing that really works, in other words, virtual assistants. Now, VA Platinum is a virtual staffing company based in the Philippines. The thing that really sets them apart is systems. They have over 200 systems to ensure business owners get the best out of their virtual assistants. In our discussion today, Brian talked to me about what makes a good system and who should document them. We talked about how to create and sustain a good, healthy, supportive culture in a remote team. And we talked about connecting projects and tasks to business and personal values and your why. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Brian Jones. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome today to the InnovaBuzz podcast from one of my favorite little spots in the world, bright in the mountain ranges of Victoria, Australia, Brian Jones, who is the founder and owner of VA Platinum. Brian is a virtual staff specialist, and he has a mission to help business owners and entrepreneurs achieve more time, more money, and more freedom using virtual staff in the Philippines. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Brian. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thanks, Jürgen. I'm really pleased to be here. I've been listening to a few of your podcasts recently, so I'm very excited by your questions that are going to come at me. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm really curious to delve into how you got started with um, outsourcing and virtual teams, building virtual teams in the Philippines. So we'll get onto that in a moment. But what, what is it that drives you? These days, uh, if I could separate my life into two areas, um, definitely family and raising my son and being with my wife, that drives me. That's And it's work. I didn't realize when I was growing up that being in a marriage <laughs> and raising a family is work. But if you want to be good at it, it's, that's what drives me a lot of the time. So that's where I spend a lot of time learning. The other side is yeah, my pure love, which is the business that I run. Um, and it drives me because I feel like we're in a marketplace where we help not just clients, but we help the staff that work for the clients. And you know, when you see the smiles and get the thank you messages from both clients and staff, 
it does it, it just makes you driven and keep driving and keep driving and keep driving so yeah mm. uh, what i'm curious about how did you get started with the um, virtual teams and virtual staff how did you get started yourself with your own virtual staff and how did that then turn into a business a standalone business of itself I'm probably going to talk about my family way too much here, but that, it's such a big impact. So yeah. first of all, you know, Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week. You know, everyone talks about it still. You know, I read that book and realised that I just had my son. I was doing seventy hours a week in the office, running my own business, not spending any time with him at all. And he was just born. It was before we turned one, and I just decided to implement everything that the Tim Ferriss book recommended, including hiring VAs. So I did it for myself in my own business. It worked so well, I effectively retired within two years. Um, and that was 10 years ago now. And I've only just sold that business that I basically put on autopilot with the help of virtual teams. And yeah, a few years ago, a few friends asked if I could help them do exactly the same thing. So I helped those friends out. And then that was for free. And then they referred me to a few more friends of theirs. And I thought, oh, maybe I can start charging people. Mm -hmm. Help them set up virtual teams exactly the way I did so that they can spend more time with their families. And I gave it a bit of a trial with my wife's blessing. And then you know, three months later, we had another six referrals for six more clients. And it just snowballed. And so over the last three years that we've been running the business, you know, we've now got 200 staff just from this snowball effect of mm. you know, people seeing value, improving their life, spending more time with their families and then referring more friends. Yeah. All right. The um, the first business you mentioned that you retired, you said you retired. So I'm mm. guessing the business more or less ran itself that the uh, virtual assistants ran the business. So how did you set that up in a way that that could occur? Sure. Um, there's a combination of onshore, you know, we, we're in Australia right now. So I had some onshore staff here in Australia and I had the virtual team in the Philippines. So I had a combination, it was a financial planning business and we had two financial advisors here in Australia, a practice manager also here in Australia that's still with me now, it's been with me for over 10 years. And then we had seven virtual staff in the Philippines. So we basically had a structure where client facing advisors would see clients, but all back office admin work, all phone calls, you know, anything to do with paperwork and administration compliance was done by the back office team. And because I also had a practice manager, um, it meant that I really didn't have to do anything. She ran the practice. You know, we set up over 500 systems and processes that drove everything in the business. And I actually heard one of your past guests, was it Jamie? Um, talking about virtual staff as well. And he was very much all about systems processes as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, or the, that would have been Jamie J. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think I've spoken to a number of people that have um, used virtual assistants or like Jamie and yourself have businesses based on virtual assistants. And I think one of the keys is having systems and processes in place. So, um, so did... Did you have those in place or did you, um, when when you started the journey or did you quickly recognize that, hey, there's, there was a gap there, I have to do this? Huge gap. And again, <laughs> I can't take all the credit because after I read Tim Ferriss' Four Hour Workweek book, I read The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Hmm. And you know, a combination of those two books, it was, they really drove towards documenting how you do tasks. Um, but not just how, you know, why do you do those tasks? Hmm. That big answer of why do you do them that is that key ingredient in any system to ensure that the person doing those tasks or learning how to do them understands the relevance of it in the business. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I can't take any credit for you know, being innovative in this case um, yeah. other than reading two amazing books. Yeah. Well, um, who was it that said we – was it Isaac Newton that we stand on the shoulders of giants Giant. before us? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, the Yeah, the, uh, you make a really good point there, and I think that's worth kind of reiterating that in terms of the processes, having um, systems and processes in place, documenting procedures from the point of view of not just here's how to do it, 
but here's the outcome. I mean, I like to look at it from here's the outcome we want to achieve with this. Here's why we're doing it. So the why is, is a really big thing. And here's how it, I also like to do, here's how it fits into the bigger picture yeah. so that people doing a what might seem on its own like a small standalone task see, oh, this fits into producing a wonderful podcast, for example, or this, this fits into this training program. You know, it might be just yeah. editing a single video, but hey, this fits into this training program that's got a thousand people buying it every every year and you know therefore generating lots of revenue for the business so that is really powerful key ingredient yep for how fit into the bigger business every system's got to have it for sure i agree yeah all right so um i guess one of the questions is a bit of a dorothy dixer i mean as somebody that that's worked in this area myself but why the philippines uh at the time when I started this business three years ago, I already had another, I had two other businesses in a similar space. I had one in Melbourne in the heart of the CBD and also a, a business in Noida in India. And I really thought about the sort of clients that would want to use a virtual assistant business, especially from an Australian perspective. And I, I had a look around at, um, Sri Lanka, I looked at Thailand, I looked at my existing 300 seat business in Noida. None of them had the right culture of the, of the people that would work in those businesses. And I had a look at Manila. So I looked at the Philippines. I went, okay, let's have a look at Manila. Let's have a look at Cebu, the two biggest areas for call centers. And even then, there's such a huge difference, Jurgen, between Manila, you know, the people that work in Manila and those that work in Cebu. And I found, you know, we're both Victorians um, in Australia. I found that the Cebuanos most resembled us as Victorians, most resembled people in South Australia, Queensland, WA, as a sort of people that would fit into the culture of a business. And there'd be no hard work. Um, plus the Philippines, you know, it's, it's not that they learn English at school, they speak English and they learn Filipino. Hmm. You know, English is their main language in all of the businesses. Whereas other countries like Thailand, Sri Lanka, India, it's a second language. The second language, yeah. Mm. Um, plus, you know, lasting the time zone. You know, right now, they're three hours behind. When daylight savings finishes, for us, it's only two hours. Yeah. Um, and then I thought if we want to expand even bigger to be global, which we're now doing, um, American clients are so used to having staff in the Philippines. So it'd be an easy business to expand globally. Hmm. Big answer, sorry. Yes, right on. Sorry? That was a big answer, wasn't it, for a yeah. simple question? Yeah, but I, I think you touched on a couple of really key points there. And the other the other one that I'd add to that is the level of tertiary education there. There's so many people coming out of the universities with some amazing qualifications and knowledge and skills that um, and and they're available. There's there's just not enough jobs for the people there. So that you can pick up people that have tertiary qualifications in all kinds of different areas that you know, end up being specialists. But of course, the cultural fit is, is the really important one, isn't it? It is. And just to pick up on your university point, the family members pay for, their, for this person to go to university. So they really, the person going to uni wants to perform because they want to get a good job and then they pay for all of their other family members to go to uni. Yeah. So that uni piece is, yeah, it's big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I used to, I worked um, in the corporate world. I had an international role and I used to travel to the Philippines quite a bit um, because we had um, a number of really good clients there who, you know, some of whom I'm still really close friends with, the mm. owners of fairly large corporations there. But the uh, when I started my own business and started getting to the point where you were with, um, you know, 70 hours, weeks and, and more and not getting to everything. And I came across a webinar that uh, this chap did who talked about outsourcing to the Philippines and he talked about the benefits of working with a remote team in the Philippines. And he talked about all the basics to start with. And he also gave a bit of advice that I ignored, um, which was start with one person and start small. Uh, but 
what he said, you know, a lot of it resonated with me. I, re I remember this vividly. It was a podcast that I listened to on an old iPod. So that's how long ago it was during a walk I did one morning. And I mm. came back home really excited and I thought, okay, I'm going to jump online. I know how I'm going to do this and I'm going to go. And I hired four people in one yeah. go. Yep. And um, those four people were with me for nearly five years. Um, and it, it worked brilliantly. And kind of the freedom I suddenly felt after that time was just amazing. But, I, you know, I had the benefit of having the experience of having worked with people remotely before, even before the internet and also of knowing a little bit about Filipino culture because of my interactions and work there in the past. So that was kind of a big deal for me, but you know, the, the transition is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you did the right thing. Um, I, if, some, if, you, if you can afford it and if you have a business that's growing, hiring one person is it's actually one of the things I did wrong for three years in a row. When I first started using staff in the Philippines, I actually failed at it for three years. And, and one of the main things I did wrong was hiring just the one person. I personally only found great success um, once we hired three and built a real team culture. And you know, the systems meant that team members backed each other up. Mm. Now, not to say that you know, hiring one doesn't work. It certainly does. And probably I worked it out the other day, 72%, I think, of our new clients only hire one person, but then of those 72%, 90% of them hire their second person within 12 months. Mm. So I think most business owners start to realize, yeah, yeah they, they want to put their toe in the water because they're nervous about outsourcing mm. for the first time. Once they see how well it works for them, they're like jumping, please get me another person. Mm. Yeah, I can see that this works. So what, what are some of the um, biggest mistakes that people make when they do this for the first time and, and how can they avoid doing that, avoid making those mistakes? Uh, so I'll talk about my experience and plus, you know, my experience <laughs> a few hundred clients. Um, but one of the mistakes I personally made was being a bit vulnerable here. I, I treated them differently. I treated the Filipinos as a lesser people because I thought, well, I was younger, much younger than I am now. And I felt like I was successful, you know, coming from a first world country and that they're in a developing nation i'm paying them a good wage but they're to, they're there to do my tasks mm. that was the biggest mistake i could have made like they are just like us and we are just like them and i'm loving that you've been to the philippines because you know i'm sure you'll agree like there's no difference between us and them you go to restaurants mm. the movies you know, family is exactly the same, although they value family even more than we do here in Australia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing for them. Mm. Massive. And really, once I got over my own ego and, you know, threw my ego out the window, I found that performance of the team members just accelerated because they realized I was just at their level. We weren't treating each other differently. So even in our hiring process now, um, we make sure that when we're interviewing candidates, they don't ever treat, because I always interview candidates still myself, and that's mm. a weird thing for a CEO to still do, but I believe in this, that if I feel that a team member who I want to join our business is treating me any differently to the way they treat their friends, they're not suitable for the business. Mm. And we really want to feel that we could invite them over to our house for barbecue on the weekend and enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Um, so that's the biggest mistake, I think, that I see people make. I could rattle off a few more or happy to move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, you've touched on the culture question again there to, you know, the, first of all, having a culture of everybody's, everybody's working together to, for a common good here and also, you know, the, the values that the, the team members in the Philippines have are very similar to the values that we have you know they're very strong about family they they mm. care about their own i mean i find that they're incredibly hungry to learn which is a great value that's a beautiful match to my company and and i really love the people that ask me questions and want to learn and want to experiment and try things out so there's there's all of those things the um, there's a funny story i've shared this once before on on an episode um, but um, my current um, 
executive assistant, she, when we hired her a couple of years ago at the end of the interview, and we did in-person interviews, there were two of us that did in-person interviews, and we had a bunch of folks shortlisted for the interview. And at the end of Althea's interview, she, um, as she was saying her farewells, said, you know, you look a lot better in real than on your photo. And, and as she left, you know, and the two of us doing the interview, we just cracked up laughing at the end. And, and it was my business coach who was with me helping do the interviews. And she said, you're going to hire her, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she knew straight away that, you know, that was, um, that was kind of sealed the deal. I mean, there was a whole lot of other stuff that happened in the interview, of course, that um, made it clear that she was a really good candidate. But that, kind of sealed the deal because I knew I knew that he was somebody that would tell me um not take me that seriously that they'd tell me stuff that yeah you know might might be unpleasant to hear for somebody else um but at the same time could add a lot of value to me and the business totally agree you want some of the personality if you're going to work with them for the next five or ten years as you have it's just you want to enjoy each other's company day in and day out Hmm. That's a key ingredient for sure in the recruiting phase. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, talk to me a little bit more about the systems that that you put in place. So, how do you manage those? How do you um, how do you structure those? How do you encourage people to follow them? I mean, we've talked a little bit about how important the why is, but yeah, tell us a little bit more about how you actually put those together. Who does that for you? You Do you do that yourself? Do you get somebody else to do it? Okay, so there's really two aspects. There's we've got over 450 systems internally that help us run our outsourcing business, mm. and then we've also got over 500 systems that we have documented, recorded, and templates that we can actually give new clients. So if they don't have any systems in their own business, or if they don't have templates, they can really go through our 500 plus templates and systems and pick and choose the ones that they would like to use in their business. Hmm. So when a new client joins you know, and they say, oh, you know, I can't join yet. I have to document all the systems of how I do things. It's like, no, stop. Don't document anything yourself. Number one, we'll give you over 500. Number two, the best way for you to actually document systems is hop on a video call with your new VA, share your screen, show them how to do the task, show them why, show them you know, how it fits into that bigger picture of the business and then ask them to document the system. And you know, when, when clients hear that, their eyes sort of light up going, oh my gosh, you're right. That's what a virtual assistant is for. You know, <laughs> I don't have to do these yeah. tasks. So, and we believe it's also the best way for a virtual assistant to take full responsibility for that task. Um, you know, they're hearing it from their boss's mouth, the boss is sharing their screen, and then if they have to document it step by step by step, they're really going to absorb it and then they fully take responsibility for doing that task moving forward. Um, so we do the same in our internal team. Anyone that's hired and they're doing a new task they've never done, we might sit on a training session that's recorded, but then they have to document that as well. Yeah. That's our process. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's so many people have shared exactly that process, which I think is probably one of the big secrets about making this whole thing a success, not just having the systems and what we talked about earlier, having them structured in a particular way, but actually having the people that are going to do the tasks or do the particular process, having them actually document it and and own the improvement of that. And then the next step, like the next step that I'm, kind of keen to do more of and we do a little bit of it is then have that person train the next person true okay so let's talk about the next step (laughs) the next step is that and this is secret source that i think if anyone's listening if they just did this one thing i believe that this is 50 percent of you know a va succeeding really is 50 percent we've got a simple tool that we call what success looks like we have the staff member um you know, and the boss, they, they document all of the tasks that the VA will do. They then have a link to the system. Then they have a self-rating system. So the VA, would, at the end of each month, 
rate themselves on how well they're performing that task. And then there's a notes bit so that they can put copious notes through this self-assessment of how well they're doing these tasks. The next day, their boss would then sit on a meeting with them and review how the VA has self-assessed themselves. By the VA going through that process, it also means that once a VA is up to speed and performing a whole lot of tasks well, their boss knows they can give them more tasks. Hmm. Then when they're ready to hire their second VA, you can just put the, the second VA's name next to a whole lot of tasks. Yeah. And there's already the systems, the templates, and then they can start self-assessing themselves and the VA that's training them will also assess them afterwards. But that key ingredient, I really believe, Jürgen, is that self-assessment every month. When a mm. VA does that, because they're so hungry to learn, you know, it makes it easy for their boss to go, oh, okay, so you would like more help here. And the VA, yep, mm. that's where I'd like more help, please. So it, it yeah. changes the whole dynamic. Yeah, I love it. I, mm. I might uh, actually steal that and adapt what we're doing. Sure. <laughs> mm. All right. Now, the um, other thing, I, I did have a, a thought there for a moment, but uh, it's gone. So I'll come back to my little bullet points. Um, I guess the culture, the culture is the other thing. I've alluded to it a couple of times. The um, How do you ensure that you're hiring people that are a really good fit for your corporate culture? And how do you then maintain that culture in an environment where you've got a lot of people working remotely? Mm. And I'm guessing probably remotely from one another, particularly now with COVID. Yeah, it's again, we've talked about it, you know, as far as systems, we have a system in place to guarantee success. And you're right, we've only got 25% of our team members in our normal office at the moment. The other 75% we've had to move home because of COVID. Hmm. Um, so our system, we've got a, a bulletproof seven-step process for recruitment. Yeah, the first one's obviously assess a resume. But the second one is a phone call with the candidate, even before they do any testing, to see whether or not they have a thick accent, to see whether or not they're actually interesting people. Are they interesting to talk with? Are they asking good questions? Do we think that the engagement that we're having with them, the client in Australia or America or the UK would also enjoy having those similar conversations? If they pass that, then of course you do all of the standard testing. You know, there's about three hours of testing. If they pass mm -hmm. that, they have a face-to-face -face interview. And in that face-to-face -face interview, we're talking about culture, talking about their family, talking about what their values are. And most people, most candidates have got no idea what what their values are. And they're going, what's a, what's a value? Well, you know, what do you value in life and in work and family? Um, if you move fast forward, you know, I do an interview, so I'm, I'm assessing for culture in my questions. I've got a preset lot of questions. And then finally, our clients, they actually do the final round of interviews. So they can assess candidates against their own culture, against their own values. Um, and then we, once a client and a VA start together, we take them through a 10-session coaching program over six months where we raise culture at every single meeting. So we're ensuring that both VA and client continue to understand that culture is a really key ingredient to a successful long-term relationship. Mm. So you can see it's, it's a huge thing, huge. It is, yeah, yeah. So there's lot, lots of systems in place to to address that. Um, what, can, what can business owners do on a day-to-day -day level to make sure that, you know, the culture that, they want to have in the business is actually there even though it's a remote team yeah good question this is something i've only like you know i've been doing working with vas for 10 years and even i'm still learning Jürgen. <laughs> something i learned in the last six months was if a business owner documents the values of their business they can actually take uh, attach a value to every single task that a va does so you know we were talking about systems earlier on if, you, if a business owner is willing to spend the time to document their own values, which equals their, the total list of values will equal their culture, 
hmm. and attach a value to every single task, then a VA really understands even that bigger picture again, not just where does the task fit into the business, but into the values of the, the business and therefore the culture. Hmm. So we've been adopting that and it's astounding the, the change in the VA's mindset and also change in the bosses, the business owner's mindset. And when they're allocating a task, they physically have to think about, well, what value do we have in the business that this aligns with? So yeah, it helps slow everyone down and think about yeah. culture. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really neat way of doing it to sort of link it back to the values. We, we have this um, process we go through. We have a, a Monday and a Friday regular meeting where I just say these are our focus areas for this week. And then on the Friday, we check in and say, well, you know, how much have we moved the needle on each of these focus areas? And in all the projects we put together and the, the um, individual tasks and thing activities that are happening during the week, I actually take the time to attribute those to a focus area. Yeah. And that, that's been a great discipline for me um, because it's, it's highlighted areas where I've been distracted and where I say, oh, that, actually, I can't assign that to a focus area. So I'm just going to park that one. Shouldn't be doing that. And it, it's a great way to go about it in terms of keeping focus. So I think, you know, doing that with the values is, is another good addition, I think. Yeah. There's, well, there's probably a hundred little tips you can give to a successful VA relationship. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, what, what are some of the others that are top of mind for you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'll pick up on that last point you made. When you're starting a new journey with a virtual assistant, I really believe in those meetings. So, you know, we structure our clients to ensure that they have at least a one-hour meeting every day and then two 30-minute sessions in the afternoons so that they're giving the attention and time to their new team members because most business owners, they're rushing, 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 and they can be haphazard in how they train a staff member. So we make sure that they put aside that time their first week. In the second week, they get to drop one of the half-hour sessions in the afternoon. By the third week, they can drop the one-hour meeting in the morning down to 45 minutes. And so we take them on a journey where they get to upfront invest a lot of time into their new VA, but it, it peters down. So by the time we get to the end of three months, we start then talking more about efficiencies. So we talk about, well, you don't have to meet with your VA every morning now. You can use your CRM or software tools. You can dictate tasks to them. If you're in the car, you could send them 10 voice messages with tasks that they could do. So yeah, that's a really important, again, talking about culture as well, getting a business owner to slow themselves down so that they give attention to a VA that enables their business to, to speed up within three months. Hmm. Yeah, if I can leave that with people, that would be wonderful if listeners yeah, did that. Yeah. And, and in some ways it comes back to, I think it's called effective delegation as opposed to dumping the task on somebody else totally. and expecting them to do something without any support or guidance or processes or systems in place, God forbid. <laughs> I agree. I agree. In fact, hmm. yeah. Here you go. Here's, here's one more that I think would help help listeners. Don't just give VAs, when they first start, the tasks that you think they should be able to do for you. Write down a list of tasks you as a business owner hate doing the most. Start with that list and give those tasks to your VA because when you see the success of them doing those tasks mm. you hate doing, you'll fall in love with your VA even more and they'll feel <laughs> it. They will yeah. feel you fall in love with them. And that will inspire them to take more tasks off you. Mm. So definitely start with the tasks you hate doing. And they could be some complex tasks, but at least start there. Don't just give them easy tasks to start with because it won't really help you as a business owner. Mm. That's right, yeah. And that, and they might be things you actually enjoy doing. So <laughs> True. You're yeah. taking, taking away the enjoyment and... and um getting left with the bits that you hate doing as well as okay. 
There's no fun in business then. Oh, mm. magic. Yep. Okay. Well, this is fascinating. Thanks for all those tips, Brian. I think um, it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So they're probably a little bit more general business questions, but you can take them wherever you want to take them. So I've That's got good. five questions. Hopefully your answers will inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result today. Okay. Fire away. I'm ready. So what's, what's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Read. 100%. Just read. Mm. You, what was the saying you said? Though? Stand on the shoulders of giants? Yeah, yeah. You know, don't try and reinvent the wheel. You know, it's been invented. Improve upon it. So yeah. I think reading is the number one. Yeah. What's your favorite reading mode? Do you favor hard copy books? Do you do audio books? Do you go online to... Hard copy. Yeah. So you've got a big bookshelf there behind you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when we leave Bright, because, you know, Bright's a small country town, for those that don't know what it is, it's only got 3,000 people who live here. My favorite thing to do is go to a secondhand bookshop whenever we go to a big city. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just love coming home with like suitcases of books. So, yeah, definitely hard copy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to talk about where all the good bookstores are that there's not so many left i think oh, yeah hmm. all right now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas ask ask questions um ask questions of clients so anytime i have a new idea and i usually do it first thing in the morning so i'm, I'm an early riser i'll get up between 5 and five thirty, and i like to spend a bit of time journaling about you know what's happened well what's working well what's not working well and that spurns my, my new ideas. And then to develop them, I just ask clients. I just will either send a small survey out to a small sample, or I'll do five phone calls to clients that I trust will give me honest answers. And I just mm. test the market straight away. So, mm. and if I get a resounding no, then I just kill it and kill it fast. Um, yeah. If I get some interest and some, um, some conversation, then I might expand the survey or expand who I've asked. And then until I get a really solid yes from enough people, I just won't develop it any further. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Love that approach. And it's sort of uh, a little bit aligned with the lean lean startup lean approach. Startup. But, My yeah, third book. <laughs> that's with Eric Rees. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so you've You've hit on the, like, we're talking about our first point. You know, um, Tim Ferriss' 4-Hour Workweek, uh, The E-Myth, and Eric Rees' Lean Startup, the three books that my whole business is modelled on. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Love it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so do you have a favourite resource you use most often? I do, Loom. So... Loom. <laughs> I love Loom. Like, I, I couldn't live without it. I think I do about, oh, let's say, let's say 15 Looms. And for those of you who don't know what a Loom is, it's just a bit of software that sits as a, as a button on your Chrome toolbar and it will record your voice and your screen so that if you're reviewing a contract or a document or if you just want to connect with someone visually, mm. it'll take you no time at all to just click on a Loom and record your voice and record a document instead of having to sit there and type out a long-form message. So I reckon I save about yeah, an hour maybe. and a half a day. Mm. It's a fabulous tool. I mean, there's a few of those around, but um, uh, we won't confuse people now. So just go check out Loom. Um, and as you say, it's just in your browser window. You just click on it. You can do a video of yourself speaking to camera. You can do a combination of screen share plus yourself on camera where you're just a little um, little insert at the bottom corner. Um, or you can do a full screen share and coming back to what we we're talking about earlier in the process is that's certainly something that I made and still make lots of use of to do screen shares. And I find that, like you say, you can, instead of typing up a lengthy email, you can take a minute to do a, a video and reach out to people. And here's a bonus tip. Um, if somebody reaches out on LinkedIn or if I want to connect with somebody on LinkedIn, a two minute video um, bypasses the whatever character limit that you have when you first reach out to somebody who you're not connected to. 
And not only that, it makes you stand out. So I don't know how many people have come back to me and said, wow, that was really impressive. And it actually is less work for me. It's a great tip. Yeah, I've used it a few times, but not enough. So thank you. I'm going to use that more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the other the other place where I've, I use it from time to time and it gets great results is when I'm pitching to go on a podcast. So instead of sending an email, I'll do a video. Yeah. Which yeah. of course means that not only do they get to see me, they get a sense of how I might appear on the podcast and whether they like that or not. Correct. Yeah, there's a guy, Baz Gardner, who you know, I think it's come out of the US, but it's the no like and trust. If you can, if somebody can see you on that video and talking, hmm. they can get a feel and they can get to know you they quickly decide do they like you and yeah. are you trustworthy? Yep. Video, amazing. Mm. All right. Um, so Loom video, great. Mm. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? I mean, you mentioned before your process for the onboarding and having the regular meetings, but what sort of in an overall sense, what's the best way to help keep clients on track? So we've got meetings and checklists. Um, yeah. The overwhelming feedback from our clients is that they thought they were just hiring a VA when they joined yeah. them. But once they realize that we physically will meet with them once a week, then once a fortnight, and it moves to monthly, we're holding them accountable. Hmm. And we take minutes of every single meeting and we present those minutes at the end of the meeting. As we enter the next meeting, we bring up the minutes and we say, well, have you done these things? And of course, clients early on, they said, well, no, I was too busy. So well, let's yeah. end the call. Let's reschedule this because, <laughs> yeah. you know, so we keep them on track that way. We, we hold them accountable um, because yeah. we know that if we do, they will treat the VAs the way they should be treated and they'll mm. be successful. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And also, in a way, you're modeling the way they should be working with their VAs in that sense, right? Exactly. Mm. Yep, creating good habits. Yeah. yeah. All right. And what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Be themselves. Be authentic. Like you are different to everyone else. Mm. So don't try to be the same as your competitors. Don't try and be the same as your next door neighbor. Yeah. If you can be authentically yourself, you easily differentiate yourself every single time. So mm. that's how we do it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, this is a theme that's come up. I think I, I can't remember how um, how many – it's kind of like um, a sequence now where people have answered that question in the same way. <laughs> I can't even remember a different answer for a while. And yeah. But I was having a conversation a few episodes ago with an actor and playwright, and he gave the same answer, and he talked about – Actually, during the conversation, he was talking about the amount of energy that he puts into his acting and role playing, and also when he's writing, how he how he gets into the mind of the characters in order to write his story. And I and I said to him, "Well, if you're trying to emulate somebody else or trying to be somebody else or be like somebody else, then you're essentially acting a role, right?" And you talked earlier about how much energy it costs to act a role that is not you. So it's much easier to just be yourself. It really is. And um, yeah, and then I think you also touched on it, that differentiating factor. Using something like a loom means that yeah. you, know, you reach out to other you know, podcast hosts and that's how you differentiate. We do the same with clients. You know, I can look at their website, turn on loom, and I can flick through their website while I talk to them and then send mm. that to them as a bit of a, a follow-up to say, hey, we haven't heard from you for a month. I've been checking out your website. I know you need us. You know, what will make this easy for you? And yeah. if they can see me smiling on the video and they, they can see I'm looking at their website, it's such a, a yeah. So even using tools, I think, can help people differently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, just before Christmas, I put through a fairly sizable proposal for a client um, for a new project. Uh, it's pretty pretty big and um i did a video i basically did a video talking through i had a presentation did the presentation i knew she wouldn't have time to get on a phone call and go through it in detail i knew she'd want to actually read it in without me kind of talking to her so i yeah. thought well i'll 
do the video along with the presentation. She can still, she's still got the presentation to read, but she's also got the video with my kind of asides and comments and yeah, yeah. recommendations. Yeah. Work. And um, yeah, that works really well. Yeah. Okay. You and I are just two kindred spirits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Brian. This has been really fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you, find out more about the um, VA Platinum business and also maybe getting get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared today so the website is always the best so it's va so v for virtual yeah yeah yep so vaplatinum.com.au or if you're outside of australia just vaplatinum.com and just my first name brian at vaplatinum.com.au and it's brian with an i-a-m not a y-a-m yeah right and we'll have links to that on the show notes, of course, so people can go and check that out. All right. Now, do you have any parting advice for our listener today before we wrap up? Sure. Go back and listen to all of your other episodes. And then that is curious. Like, uh, I did it about a month ago and you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts. And every single podcast I listen to of yours, because you only leave those five you know, fireside questions for the, for the end, there's so much value that you allow your guests to give to your listeners. So, yeah, if you're listening to this episode for the first time and you're one of my clients, go back and listen to the earlier versions of all the earlier episodes. Um, you'll learn a lot. Yeah, well, great. I appreciate you sharing that. And um, I certainly reinforce that. I I learn a lot in having these conversations. And I've just started, um, I don't know if you're familiar, you might enjoy this actually as a reader. Uh, a thing called Readwise. It's an app that you can, um, it's actually intended for the digital space, but you can use it with physical books. You can use your, your phone camera to photograph sections and highlight sections and then add that to a list of bookmarks in this Readwise. And it will then, at a frequency you choose, um, send back highlights to you. So you can have yourself reminded of highlights from the e-myth or highlights from the four-hour work week. And what I've discovered is you can also, um, there's a, there's a um, plugin for Chrome mm. that you can bookmark or highlight elements of any blog post. So I've started going back through my podcasts, highlighting some of the things that resonated with me from episodes ages ago that I actually haven't thought of again and started adding, adding it to that as well so that it, it'll regularly remind me of those things now. It'll come up at random with some wisdom and here's, here's something that Brian Jones said uh, around outsourcing will come up randomly at some point in the future and I'll be reminded of it again. I love it. Thank you. I have never heard of it, but um, I've asterisked it. I've written it down. So <laughs> yeah. after this. Well, yeah, we'll include a link in the show notes for that one too, because I have a, it, it is an affiliate link, but it actually gets you 30 additional days of trial. So you can get 60 cool. instead of 30. Cool. All right. Now, finally, who else should I get on this podcast and why? I think, I don't know if you have, I, I tried to see, have you had Glenn Carlson on before from the Dent Group? They run Key Person of Influence. I, ha I have spoken to Glenn at a conference to, in, and we have communicated, but I haven't actually succeeded in getting him on yet. Okay. So, yeah. So there's Glenn, and I think also, I mentioned him earlier, a guy by the name of Baz Gardner. Um, he, he, he really is an intuitive fella and he, he helps business owners, um, coaches business owners in how to be authentic, to be themselves, to be yeah. their own voice. Um, so I think if you, I'd like to listen to him actually on your podcast. I'd, I'd be interested to hear his answers to your questions. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, um, we'll get an introduction from you to Baz and we'll reach out to Glenn again. Maybe you can. Kind of point out that you've recommended him as well and we'll see if we can get both of them on the show in the future done i'll do both of those i'll send intros <laughs> excellent well thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously today brian this has been a fabulous conversation we are a little bit kindred spirits here and we're sort of like-minded in a lot of areas i've really enjoyed this there's quite a few tips that i've written down here that i will go back and implement now i think um, and I hope that the listener will get a lot of value out of this. I'm sure they will. Now, I wish you all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. 
Sounds good, Jürgen. Thank you so much. I've, I've really enjoyed it too. hope you enjoyed that insightful and really informative conversation with Brian and took something away from his episode. I love the idea of tagging tasks and activities with your values to help everyone understand why we are doing this particular task. I'm curious to know what you took away from Brian's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Brian Jones. That is B-R-I-A-N-J-O-N-E-S, all lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Brian Jones. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Brian, as well as links to the VA Platinum website, his social media pages, and all the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you like this episode, please share it with at least two other people that it might help. I really want to get these valuable insights that people share with us on this episode, on these podcasts, out to as many people as possible that it could help. So tag me in that share and I'll reach out to you with a special surprise as a thank you. Brian suggested that we have a conversation with Glenn Carlson of The Dent Group and with Baz Gardner of The Social Advisor on a future Innova Buzz podcast episode. So Glenn and Baz, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Brian Jones. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up including creator of the Employee to Entrepreneur system, Louisa Zhou, and human performance improvement strategist, John Christian Gerbert. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember... Be awesome and keep innovating.